This is Unit 5 of IB Business Management, Operations. Operations, or Operations Management, is concerned with the use of resources called land, labor, and capital. These are the business inputs, and they provide the outputs in the form of goods and services. Operations managers are mainly concerned with the efficiency of production, so keeping costs as low as possible for a competitive advantage, the quality, which is the good or the service and how it should be suitable for its purpose, and flexibility and innovation, which is the need to develop and adapt new processes and new products, which is becoming increasingly important in today's changing business environment. The connection between operations and the other business functions is that operation needs to ensure that the appropriate quantity of the good or service is available so that the marketing department can sell it profitably. They also need to work closely with human resources to make sure that the appropriate numbers of qualified workers are employed and operation decisions such as expanding capacity or needing new funding and things like that will involve interactions with the financial department. The production process is the conversion of inputs into outputs and it's also known as the transformation process. This applies to both manufacturing and service industries. The degree of value that's added to the inputs is going to depend on a number of factors. The design of the product or the nature of the service, the efficiency with which the input resources can be combined and managed, and this will then lead to increased added value. Added value is the difference between the cost of purchasing raw materials and the price the finished goods are sold for. And lastly, another factor that will influence the value added is being able to convince consumers to pay more for the good or service than the cost of inputs. The production inputs are land, because all businesses need somewhere to operate from, labor, because all business activity requires some kind of labor input, which could be manual or mental, and capital, which refers to the tools, the machinery, and the computers or any equipment needed for the business production and the selling of the services. The business world is becoming increasingly focused on satisfying environmental and social goals, as well as financial ones. And this breaks it down into three main ideas of sustainability. Ecological sustainability, which is a capacity of ecosystems to maintain their essential functions or processes and retain their biodiversity in full measure over the long term. So this means that a business needs to reduce the waste of the organization, use less energy and sourcing energy from renewable sources, reducing water, recycling water, reducing the use of any non-renewable sources in their production, designing products that use recycled materials or allow their materials to be recycled when they are um, obsolete, and designing products that use less harmful energy sources. So this is how operations management can achieve greater ecological sustainability. Social sustainability is the ability of a community to develop processes and structures which don't only meet the needs of the current members, but also support the ability of future generations to maintain a healthier community. So this includes designing production systems that are safe and healthy for employees, designing work and workplaces that allow for social interaction so people don't become lonely, creating jobs in a low-income or deprived area, reducing the negative impact of production on communities so that the community that is near a factory is also healthy. And this is how operations management can achieve greater social sustainability. 
And lastly, economic sustainability is within a business context, it involves using the assets of the company efficiently to allow it to continue functioning profitably over time. So this means managing and maintaining operational assets such as equipment, machinery, and buildings. So extending their lifespan so that they don't need to be re uh, replaced and making sure they're used properly so that they don't get damaged as they're very expensive. Increasing the efficiency of the production process to improve business competitiveness. And that's usually going to involve increasing labor and capital productivity. And researching and developing products and processes that create customer interest so planning for the future so that you can remain profitable in the long term. And that is how operations management can achieve greater economic sustainability. Moving on to types of production methods. They are classified into job or customized production, batch production, mass flow process production, and cell manufacturing. So job production or customized production is producing a one-off item specifically designed for each customer. So this is normally used for the production of a one-time product that was ordered and these products may be small or large, but they're always unique. So for example, a wedding ring that needs to be adjusted to the finger would be customized production. In order to be considered job or customized production, each individual product has to be completed before the next product is started. So that means only one product is made at a, at a time. And that's why this is a very labor intensive form of production and it's usually for small businesses. What this type of production enables is for specialized products and a motivated workforce because they take a lot of pride in the work that they do and they focus on one thing at a time. It is, however, usually less efficient and it results in high unit costs because you take a lot of time and resources to complete only one unit. So that's why the labor force needs to be highly skilled. Moving on to batch production, this is producing a limited number of identical products. Each item in the batch will pass through one stage of production before it passes on to the next stage. Batch production makes products in separate groups and the products in each batch will go through the whole production process together. The production process involves a number of distinct stages and the defining feature of it is that every unit in the batch has to go through an individual production stage before the batch as a whole can move on to the next stage. So if not all the products in the batch are completed to the same extent, then they will not proceed with production. What this allows is for division of labor and enabling economies of scale if the batch is large enough. A key idea in batch production is that it's for industries that need identical products, but not in a mass scale. So for example, school uniforms that are needed for one school. And that allows each batch to be specifically matched to the demand and control the quality of it as well. A drawback of batch production is that the work may be boring and demotivating for the employees, and if batches are small, then the unit costs are likely to remain high because you can't achieve economies of scale. It also requires a lot of adjusting of the machinery so that every order is customized to um, the individual. Also note that batch production is not the same as flow production. A company might use batches and move them in a flow production system, but that would still be considered batch production because they move in these groups. Moving on to flow production, this is producing items in a continually moving production line, also known as line production. And it can be continuous 24 hours a day method if necessary. 
Flow production is very similar to mass production. This is producing large quantities of a standardized product. And because they're so similar, they're usually uh, considered in the same category. It's structured so that individual products move from one stage of production to the next as soon as they're ready, independently. So they don't need to wait for any other products. They can produce in very large quantities and in a very short period of time, which is very efficient. It also suits the production of large numbers of the same thing because you need the same adjustments on the machinery, you need the same resources, you just need the time for them to pass through all stages of production. Labor costs are also relatively low because you just need to supervise, you don't need to do a lot of physical um, management, and there is not a lot of skill required. The quality is also usually consistent because the same production is being uh, adapted to all the products and you can just undergo checks to ensure this. But the main disadvantage is that the setup of flow line or mass production is expensive because you need a large um, facility with fast machinery and all the resources in bulk. It's very capital intensive and it needs a lot of technological resources. In addition, another drawback is that the work involved is usually boring and repetitive, which can lead to a demotivated workforce. Moving on to process production, this is producing standardized goods, typically in bulk quantities, by using a continuous input of materials and other resources. Process production requires inputs for continuous conversion into the finished product, and once it is produced, you cannot simply break it back down into its individual parts. So disruptions or any accidents can force the production to halt and it's quite expensive and time-consuming to restart it because it's so important that to produce this product it receives all the inputs in a continuous manner. It cannot simply stop in the middle because the state that it's in um, is not usable and it's not stable in a way. So that's going to obviously depend on the product but if you take crude oil as an example, in an oil refinery, it's going to need heat and gases and chemicals to produce the range of industrial products like gasoline. So you can't simply stop that process in the middle until it has reached the form of being gasoline. Process production is usually for products such as chemicals, foods, beverages, petrol, and any paints. Advantages of process production is that it can normally be automated and that reduces the unit costs and the large quantities can be reduced because of the flow style. It's also ideal for products that need to have a consistent quality because the same process occurs for all of them. A disadvantage is that there is heavy investment required, just like the uh, mass production, you need a lot of infrastructure. And it's difficult and disruptive if the production has to be stopped, so that's going to cause additional costs and it makes the whole form of production very inflexible which also makes it difficult to make different versions of the product because that's going to take away the standardized aspect and potentially affect the quality. Moving on to mass customization. This is the use of flexible computer-aided production systems to produce items to meet individual customers' requirements at mass production cost levels. So this is a mixture of mass production and customized production because you are customizing your orders but it's being produced in mass. And this is possible because of the computer-aided production system. So you would design it online or it would be designed on a um, design platform or one of those digital models, 3D printing and such, and that can, be, that can then be connected to the production method. That's why this method is only possible due to the new advances in technology. 
This allows for the differentiation of the business because they can produce in mass of a customized order, which makes them more favorable than just producing in mass of a standardized product or having to pay far higher unit costs for customized products. The main advantage of this is that it combines low unit costs with flexibility to meet the individual customer's requirements. However, some of the main limitations is that it is expensive to be so flexible because you need to change the machinery or you need to adjust the settings and so on and you have to always make sure that you don't waste the resources as you are customizing the orders and not making a mistake between orders because the settings need to be changed and so on and so on. So there's much more logistics and potentially administration that needs to be taken into consideration. For the customization, there may also be expensive product redesigning that needs to be made available so that customers can change key components that they might want to add variety to their products. And naturally, it's going to be expensive to be able to offer such computer-aided design platforms or the machinery needed and the ability to change this machinery flexibly. So that's also going to contribute to costs. Moving on to the last form of production, cell manufacturing. This is a lean method of producing similar products using cells or groups of team members to facilitate operations by eliminating setup time between operations. It's a form of flow production, but instead of each individual worker performing a single task, the production line is split into several self-contained little production units, and these are known as cells. Each individual cell usually produces a complete unit of work, so they work together as a team to make the product together with their different expertise. Each cell will have a team leader and there will be a single level of hierarchy, so everyone is on the same level other than the leader. And the performance is going to be measured against certain targets. What this does is it promotes productivity because you are competing with other cells and you want to make the best product possible. There's also a sense of team spirit which can motivate the workers more than if they were doing repetitive tasks on their own. This also adds flexibility and because all of the workers in the cell have the equipment they need in their close proximity, there is not a lot of handling costs and you can be more time efficient. Some limitations of cellular manufacturing is that the output may not be as high as in normal flow production systems because you are still working in teams and it is not as machinery based. Different cells might also work at different speeds, so you might not have the uh, amount of a product that you need when you need it, and it could lead to tension between the teams as they feel that they're competing between them or not receiving the same resources. The business will also need to invest heavily in new machinery and equipment because each cell needs all the same capital items. And as a result of this, employee training costs could be high because you need to make sure all employees in the cells are equally skilled. Some of the factors that will influence the choice of production methods include the size of the market, the amount of capital available, the availability of other resources, and whether there even is a market demand that exists for products adapted to a specific customer requirement. So whether there's a market demand for customized products. Also note that most companies don't use a single production method. It's very common to use more than one production method because you can gain the benefits that they all offer. So they're often going to mix these up and take advantage of all of them in a different way. Moving on to location. 
A business location that gives the best combination of quantitative and qualitative factors is going to be the optimal location. And choosing the optimal location for a new business is super important for its success. Location-based decisions have three key characteristics. They're strategic in nature, so they are long-term and they have an impact on the entire business. They are difficult to reverse if a, there's a lapse in judgment because there's a lot of costs involved in relocation. And they're taken, the decisions are taken at the highest management levels. They're not delegated to subordinates. So it's not the kind of task you would give to anyone that isn't a senior in the company. The quantitative factors are measurable in financial terms and they're going to have a direct impact either on the costs of the site or the revenues from it and how profitable this new location will be. Ideally, an optimal location will be able to balance high fixed costs of the building with the convenience for the customers and the potential sales revenue. It will be able to balance the low costs of a remote site with a limited supply of suitably qualified labor and the quantitative factors with the qualitative ones. Lastly, it should also be able to balance the opportunities of receiving any government grants in an area of high unemployment with risks of low sales as the average incomes in that area could be really low. So the quantitative factors include high fixed site costs and the disadvantages to the business is that there would be a high break-even level of production, meaning you would have to produce a lot to break even. There would also be low profits or there's potential for losses and if you're operating at low capacity, then your unit fixed cost will be very high. Another quantitative factor problem is high variable costs, such as labor. Disadvantages of this is that low contribution per unit produced or sold is present, meaning you don't get a lot from each uh, product. There's also low profits or losses again, and the high unit variable cost is going to reduce your competitiveness in the market. Low unemployment rate, the problems with this is that you are going to have issues with recruiting the right staff and staff turnover could be a problem too. Because if people find a more suitable job with better working conditions, they're likely to leave. Pay levels might also have to be higher in order to attract staff and retain staff as well. High unemployment rate will also come with problems such as that the average consumer doesn't have as much of an income to be able to spend money on the product and that's going to lead to a lower demand for the product. And the last quantitative factor would be poor transport infrastructure. And what this does is it raises transport costs for the materials and the product and it makes it less accessible to the customers. So a summary of the factors influencing location decisions would be the site and the other capital costs such as the building labor costs, transport costs, market potential, and the potential for government grants. Once the quantitative factors have been identified and the costs and revenues have been estimated, the following techniques can be, can be used to assist the decision of the location. First, the profit estimates. So by comparing the estimated revenue and the costs of each location, it's easier to decide which location will prove to be most profitable. Second is investment appraisal. This is when location decisions often involve a substantial capital investment and you need to find out whether this investment is worthwhile uh, and which investment is going to have the highest potential return over the years. And third is the break-even analysis, which is a straightforward method to compare two or more possible locations to see 
at which location you have to produce a greater output till you break even and at which location you have to produce less of an output. Moving on to the qualitative factors, these are non-measurable factors that may influence business decisions as well, such as choosing location. Safety, both for the company stakeholders as well as the local community. Room for further expansion in the future, if it's able to expand in that area or if it would have to relocate. Managers' preferences, labor supply, and whether there is a good cost of labor and whether it's available or not available and if the skills are present. Ethical considerations such as cheap labor, environmental concerns such as uh, the pollution of the environment, if it's a factory, for example, and infrastructure, so access to roads, access to ports, and providing the available transport that they need for their products. There are also a few other locational issues that could influence this, such as the pull of the market, any planning restrictions, external economies of scale, and multi-site locations. Some of the advantages of multi-site locations is that it is of greater convenience for the consumers because they, their store or their facility is more widely available. There's also opportunities for delegation of authority to regional managers because you have more facilities that you need to occupy and manage. And there are cost advantages of multi-sites in different countries. It also helps with your popularity because more people will be aware of you if you have multiple sites in different locations. Disadvantages is that it is difficult to coordinate between all the locations and the communication may not be effective. There's a potential lack of control and direction if each facility does its own thing and slightly alters the uh, general guidelines. And there may also be different cultural standards across the locations and different legal systems which will influence the way the business behaves. Lastly, if the sites are too close together, it may seem as if they are just dominating the entire community and, and they'll begin taking business from, from competitors which can reflect badly on their company image. Moving on to the ways of reorganizing production. This can be nationally or internationally, and it is focused on outsourcing and subcontracting. Outsourcing is using another business to undertake a part of the production process rather than doing it within the business using the firm's own employees. So it's the hiring of another business or service to undertake a part of your business production. And subcontracting is the practice of assigning to another business part of a contract, for example, a specialist activity. So they would take a contract and part of it they would assign to another party. So it's not exactly the same as outsourcing, as outsourcing usually occupies an entire business process, while subcontracting is just for a small specialist activity. Construction is very much focused on subcontracting. The main reason companies choose to outsource and subcontract includes reduction and control of operating costs, increased flexibility because you don't need to manage as much, Improved company focus because you have more of a direction since you can delegate the work to another party. Access to quality service and resources because they might not be available internally, so by outsourcing they're made they are made available. And freed up internal resources. So because these resources aren't needed anymore and they are being taken care of by the outsourced business, these internal resources can be utilized for something else. 
Potential drawbacks to outsourcing and subcontracting would be the loss of jobs within the business because you are assigning the work to somebody else. Issues with quality because you can't monitor the process as closely. Customer resistance, which may be caused if a customer needs to talk to an overseas customer service or they don't understand and there's uh, poor communication or they don't feel that it is reliable to take um, a product that is partially produced elsewhere or that is unethical and so on. There are many ways that this can take form. And security, because you are including an outside business to work with the data of your business and if that were lost, there would be no one to give the responsibility to. With outsourcing comes a lot of risk and before outsourcing occurs, a company has to undertake a lot of cost-benefit analysis to see if it's going to be worthwhile to outsource a business function. And that can also be very time-consuming and expensive to reopen and re-establish this if the outsourcing had failed. That's why companies need to make sure it really does make sense and it really is responsible for the business to avoid this happening. Moving on to offshoring. This is the relocation of a business process done in one country to another country. This could be to the same company or to another company, but the main idea is moving it from one country to another. The reasons for and against offshoring are very similar to outsourcing, but some of the differences would be that low-cost countries offer substantial benefits. So offshoring to these countries is going to um, lower the cost for the company, and that's one of the main reasons to offshore a business function. The potential for higher profits will benefit the finance department despite the setup of costs overseas. So that means although there is a lot of costs related to um, starting up a business or uh, expanding overseas, there's such high potential for profits that this is worthwhile. And with labor wage rates in countries like India, Malaysia, China and Eastern Europe, because there's such a small fraction of the Western Europe and American wages, it's not surprising that multinationals will definitely want to offshore in order to remain competitive. And lastly, in developing countries, there is a great shortage of jobs, and therefore the subcontracting businesses will find it really easy to recruit unskilled or semi-skilled workers, so it will be easy to find enough employees for a factory, for example. Potential limitations of offshoring include the language and any communication barriers because work is occurring outside of the host country and communication will differ. Cultural differences will make a big impact too because there are different things that are considered okay in a different country and the way they work, maybe the hours that they work or what they can wear to work, that will all vary. The level of service concerns will also be different as each country might be in a different time zone and that will lead to delayed messaging or specifically for a call center if most of the clients are in the states but the customer service is in China then it's going to be very difficult to make an appropriate call to the call center because of the time differences. And there are also supply chain concerns. So companies are concerned about the quality or the reliability of the delivery because of the overseas manufacturing plants. They can't control it as easily and they can't monitor it as easily. And lastly, there are ethical considerations that always need to be taken into consideration because there may be a loss of jobs if a company locates all of its operations abroad. There are also a lot of concerns about 
child labor or uh, cheap labor and poor conditions in these working environments and how this would reflect on the business as well as on the local communities. And the last idea of this unit is insourcing. This is the reverse of outsourcing and it's undertaking a business function or process within the business rather than contracting it to another business as well as insuring which is also the reverse of offshoring. So that's ending an offshoring contract with overseas suppliers and returning the functions or the processes back to the business, back to the host country. Insourcing and insuring has increased lately because as the uh, cheap labor conditions are becoming more expensive, so wages are increasing in middle-income countries such as China, the cost savings aren't as great anymore, so they might want to maintain control. There may have also been quality control issues and customers may have been complaining about that, which has led to a poor image and that may incentivize a company to insource their business functions so they can ensure better products. The ethical controls of the working conditions in countries like China and Bangladesh have also been more strictly monitored and that might incentivize businesses to ensure they have more ethical practices and therefore not um, contribute to these poor working conditions and also risk having backlash in the press in case they were exposed for supporting these practices. So that wraps up location as well as unit 5 for SL in business management.